from John 14, verses 1 through 11. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. So tonight I have the privilege of preaching on the exclusivity of Christ, um, Jesus being the only way. Is it true that there is only one way to heaven? To eternal life? Or to God, don't all roads lead to the same place with the same pavement? Cultural relativism and pluralism have invaded our country, um, our culture and society. And relativism is uh, the philosophy that truth is relative to the individual, that truth is perceived by the individual. And so, whatever is true for you is just true for you. It's not true for someone else. There is no absolute truth or a standard or one way. Pluralism is, uh, in a society, multiple religions exist, and usually it leads way to relativism. Um, In our country today, the only wrong is to say that someone else is wrong. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth and the life, what he means is he alone is the way. In our text tonight, we'll see the disciples troubled and distressed at the Passover, at the Last Supper with Jesus, as Judas betrays our Lord and walks out as Peter is foretold of his denial. As Jesus goes to be crucified on the cross shortly after. So we come to verse 1. And Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. This verse has a few different ways it can go. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. The disciples were confused and troubled. Jesus had been saying to them for about six months now that he must die at the hand of the Jews and be raised again and leave them. And he kept telling them continuously, I'm going to the Father. I'm going to the Father. 
And so these men who had been with him for three years obviously are distressed. And so Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. In John thirteen nineteen, he says, I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. He says that you may believe that I am he. Who is that? The Messiah. I am the one. And when he says that, he's talking about the scripture being fulfilled of Judas' betrayal. And in verse 21, he says, After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. He knew what was coming. He knew what he must endure on the cross. He was troubled in his spirits. He, he began to experience the wrath of God. And so as he's comforting the disciples, you have to keep in mind, he knows what's coming to him. He knows what he must endure on the cross. And so he starts to begin to comfort the disciples. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. And here's why. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. And what he does here is he equates himself with God. He makes himself equal. And surely in that day, that would have gotten you killed. You put, that in the, you put those words in the mouth of any other man, and he would have been a lunatic. And so he says, believe in God, believe also in me. You believe in God's promises. You believe in his provision. Believe in me. Verse 2, he says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And so, the first truth that we see out of these first three verses is Jesus alone is hope. Jesus alone is hope. He says, in, my, in the Father's house are many rooms. And when he says this, the focus is not on the house or on the rooms or on the descriptions of the rooms. The focus is on Jesus. It's the focus is on Jesus comforting his disciples. So what is a home? A home is a place where you come to rest, a place of warmth and love, of welcome and hospitality, a place where you stay or dwell. And so the point of Jesus saying, I go to prepare a place for you, we find in Revelation 21, verse 3. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. The, the point here is that God will dwell with us. Jesus, going to prepare a place for us as our hope, God will dwell with us. It's like if you are having a baby and you build a room for it to be with, for that baby to be with you. And he comes, and you never put him in the room, or you never stay with him. Then what's the point of the room? What's the point of the house? And so Jesus says, 
I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Jesus alone is hope. I will come again to take you that where I am, you may be also. So what does this mean for us? It means that there is no other place hope is found. There is no other person, no other way, no other system. And oftentimes as our hearts wander, we put our, heart, our, our hope in other people, in things, in pleasures. But Jesus says, I will come again to take you. Jesus alone is hope. And so verse 4 sets up our second truth. And he says, and you know the way to where I'm going. Truth number two is Jesus alone is the way. Thomas asks a question here that furthers Peter's question from verse 36. He says, Peter says, Lord, where are you going? So Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? More than likely, what Thomas was thinking was an earthly conqueror. Jesus as the conqueror, the conquering king. Many Jews in the day thought that Jesus would conquer the Romans and restore the kingdom back to Israel. And so Thomas may have been thinking, where's the way to the palace? You go to prepare a place for us, where's the way? Jesus' answer to him is stunning. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the way. I am the way of God. He is the very way of God. In John one twenty three, we see John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. And this is what he says. He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said. As Jesus came to earth as the way. When the early Christians first began the church, they were called followers of the way. This means that Christ is the only way. Through his life, his death, his resurrection, he gives way into heaven, eternal life, blessedness with God, the very place that he went to prepare for the disciples. He lived perfectly. He died for our sin, became our sin on the cross, was buried and separated from the Father, and gloriously raised on the third day because he is the way. He said, I am the truth. He is the very revelation of God. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word, the truth, the revelation of God. He is the one true God, the standard by which everything is measured, everything is judged. He is the fulfillment of the law, the, the prophets 
and the Psalms. Truth is not a system. It's a person. He says, I am the truth. Then he goes on, he says, I am the life, the very life of God. Life cannot be found anywhere outside of him. And so when he's telling his disciples this, false teachers would try to pull the disciples away after he left. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is life. In him, we have life. John eleven twenty five. when Jesus was about to raise Lazarus, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Because Jesus is life. He is the very life of God. And so he says, No one comes to the Father except through me. That means there's not many 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 roads. There is only one way. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's like I-40. I-40 runs from the East Coast to the West Coast. And so if we wanted to go to California by a car with just a road map, we wouldn't want to take a bunch of back roads because it would probably drive us insane and take forever. But if you take I-40, I-40 takes you straight to California. I-40 is the only way in a car. And so, in the same way, Jesus alone is the way. He is exclusive. And so he says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. He moves on, and Philip asks another question. Truth number three is Jesus alone is God. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. I think it's funny. Philip calls him Lord, but asks him to show the Father. So the disciples are having an earthly mind set here. Jesus says, Have I been with you so long that you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the perfect image of God. It's like a reflection in a mirror. You stand before the mirror, and though there's no person in the mirror, the mirror perfectly reflects what's standing in front of it. Jesus perfectly reflects all of God. He alone is God. And so, again, he's equating himself with God here. He says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? 
Again, these would have been blasphemous words in the words and in, in the mouth of any other man besides Jesus. He is sent by the Father, and the Father being in him in a perfect union, only something that God the Son could have experienced. It's a, he had a oneness with the Father. No one besides God could have experienced with the Father something like this. He says, The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. If you think about it, the works that Jesus did, no one, no one else could have done. No one could have raised someone from the grave. No one could have fed 5,000 people with a few loaves and fish. No one could calm a storm in the middle of a sea. And no one could take our sin and raise from the grave again. It proves that he is God. God alone could be the atonement, the substitution for our sin. Only God could sovereignly reign over all of history. And in Christ alone, hope is found. He is the cornerstone, the rock, our refuge, our payment for sin. And all of this is only possible if Jesus is God. That means to see God, to receive salvation, to enter eternal life with him. We must look to Jesus alone. Jesus left the perfect union he had with the Father, and he came to earth. He made the way. Sinners didn't make the way to him. He made the way to us. No other way did God give to us except for Jesus. In him we have acceptance and perfect love. Love that we could never imagine. He will hold me fast because he alone is God. And so as we come to celebrate communion, we have to think of the last supper that they had just celebrated. The bread, his broken body, the wine, his blood poured out for the disciples. And Chapter 13 of John, verse 1, it says that Jesus loved them unto the end. His love poured out for us the only way. And again, the disciples would be scattered. And they weren't perfect by no means. But he loved them unto the end. This means he alone is hope the way, and God. Jesus alone is hope. Jesus alone is the way, and Jesus alone is God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this evening and for your timeless word that God's our wandering hearts. Jesus, thank you for taking our sins on the cross, for your body being broken, your blood poured out, you drinking the wrath that we deserved. Father, thank you for sending the way to us that we don't have to climb the ladder 
of righteousness to you. Jesus, you give yourself to us freely, and we are so thankful for that. In Jesus, we praise your name. Amen.